0: It's Tuesday, January 8th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Today's podcast is focused on healthcare and the trends that will be shaping the conversation this year. First, there are five big things that you will be hearing about. Among them are the battle between Big Pharma and Washington, the Affordable Care Act in legal trouble again, and the ongoing opioid crisis. Sam Baker, healthcare editor for Axios, joins us for what is poised to be a wild year for healthcare. Next, telemedicine is a growing market that is expected to reach revenues of over $13 billion by 2023. And with a growing shortage of mental health professionals for children and teens, more healthcare providers are turning to technology to help pediatricians fill the gap and provide services to those that need it. My producer Miranda joins us to talk about telemedicine and her experience seeing a digital doctor. Finally, treating your pets for illnesses can be very pricey, and some people are going into debt over trying to keep your best friend in good health. Expenses can pile up very quickly, and before you know it, you are thousands of dollars into treatments and tests, and more may be on the way. We spoke to Elizabeth Ann Entman, who wrote about her experience for BuzzFeed News, about going into debt because of her dog, and why she doesn't regret it. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in.
1: The biggest thing to keep an eye on is probably drug prices. That obviously has already been a debate, has been something that Trump has focused on and that a lot of Democrats have focused on. Theoretically, if there was going to be a place where Trump and Democrats could work together, that might be it. Joining
0: us now is Sam Baker, healthcare editor at Axios. 2019 is gearing up to be a huge year. There's going to be a lot of stuff. First off, Obviously, we need to figure out what's happening with the government shutdown and things going on at the border. There's going to be, you know, Democrats in the House versus the Trump administration, all sorts of stuff. But it's also going to be a big year for healthcare. Democrats made healthcare a central part of the campaign for the midterms. They feel that their blue wave was based on this. And there's just going to be a lot of. Big trends shaping the discussion around healthcare in 2019. Where do we start? What's going to be happening?
1: The biggest thing to keep an eye on is probably drug prices. That obviously has already been a debate, has been something that Trump has focused on, and that a lot of Democrats have focused on. Theoretically, if there was going to be a place where Trump and Democrats could work together, that might be it. But even if they can't, even if they can't come together on some big bill. Divided government could still sort of pave the way for a lot of the things that the administration wants to do on its own because those are things that the pharmaceutical industry really hates and a lot of Democrats are okay with. So when you have Democrats in control of the House, Allowing this to to happen without much pushback in the administration is one thing that Trump is doing that they kind of like. That's a big difference from having Republican House members who would go up to the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue and say, "Look, these are our donors. We're with this industry. You can't do this kind of thing."
0: Those drug prices are rising this year. Another thing that's going to be increasing are new, you know, these new therapies that are coming to market with huge price tags. I mean, there's things that treat rare forms of blindness. It's almost $900,000. Some gene therapies that are fetching million-dollar price tags.
1: Yeah, exactly. And all of that will keep... This issue in the news, it'll be a lot of fodder for whether Democrats want to hold hearings about it or it becomes an issue in the Democratic primary or for Trump to beat up on the industry some more. You know, it's it's a bold choice to come into this year looking at the political climate and say we're going to charge a million dollars for our new drug. But that seems to be what we're headed for.
0: Almost a decade old now and the Affordable Care Act is in legal jeopardy again. It seems like it's been on its last legs for some time now and then, uh, you know, it gets like a little revival. And then again, it gets knocked down and uh, a judge last month ruled that the individual mandate was unconstitutional. Therefore, the whole law must be thrown out. What's going to happen on that front this year?
1: that was a very big deal, kind of came as a surprise. I think it would be a surprise if that judge's ruling carries all the way through the appeals process, but this could easily get back to the Supreme Court, which is still a a conservative court, even though it has upheld the Affordable Care Act many times before. And I think that there is politically a lot of risk for Republicans in winning this, you know, because pre-existing conditions were such a huge part of the midterm campaigns. Republicans kept saying, of course, pre-existing conditions, but they also obviously want to repeal Obamacare. So I think they are probably hoping this judge does not come along and actually repeal Obamacare or throw out Obamacare, including these provisions that protect people with pre-existing conditions.
0: What about the consolidation of the healthcare industry? I mean, this is something that's been going on for a long time now. We've seen all these big mega mergers, CVS and Aetna, Cigna and Express, they're all doing all these uh, big mergers.
1: It's something you've seen particularly in the hospital industry where hospitals will, two sort of big hospital systems in one city will merge. They'll buy up a lot of doctor's offices to make those doctors part of the hospital. There's a pretty significant amount of evidence that shows that that drives up prices for patients. And then you also see, as you mentioned, insurance companies merging with pharmacy companies, just really a lot of consolidation in the industry. It has been going on for a long time, but there is a lot of concern out there, that it drives up costs, that it drives up prices, and, and hospital prices, you know, everyone's focused on drug prices, but hospital prices are sort of waiting in the wings as the next big controversy.
0: More than 72,000 people died of drug overdoses in 2017. And and I like the way you wrote this, showing the progression of what happened. What started with prescription drugs moved on to heroin, then fentanyl, and now fentanyl is being laced into other drugs like cocaine and methamphetamine. So this is all driving a lot of overdose deaths. Didn't the president sign a bill trying to confront what was happening with this crisis? He
1: did. And there is a lot of good stuff in there that public health experts will tell you will make a difference. It won't be a silver bullet. And I think there's a pretty widespread recognition that it is helpful, but it's not enough. The number of overdose deaths has started to sort of level off. So it's still, as you said, 72,000 people in 2017. That's a huge number. Public health officials are taking some comfort in the fact that it's not going up as much as it used to be going up. But that's still obviously a huge number of deaths every year, a very tragic situation that each death also affects a family and a community and there is no end in sight.
0: Finally, Medicare for All, you're going to start hearing a lot about this because Democrats, a lot of them, are, you know, running on health care, things like that. Bernie Sanders has a bill that he had proposed and a lot of 2020 potential challengers have uh, co-sponsored those bills. So this is... Kind of one of those things that is on a lot of Democrats' minds.
1: Bernie came out with his bill a while ago, and a lot of Democrats have just sort of said, yeah, Medicare for all. But to me, it means this, or to me, it means that. And during the midterms, there wasn't really so many candidates were running for so many different offices that they could all just sort of have their own definition. And, and they never really had to coalesce around one thing. But now that you have so many Democrats running for the same office in a primary where, for the most part, only Democrats can vote, I think this will really force the party to focus up on what exactly it wants. And that's a debate the Democrats haven't really had to have sort of in any detailed way, even though they've been moving notionally in this direction.
0: Sam Baker, at Axios. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Doctor
2: On Demand lets you see and talk to a live board certified doctor. List your symptoms. Tell us your history. Start your visit. Hi, Dr. Tong. Let's get
0: you feeling better. Joining me now is my producer, Miranda. We're going to be talking about digital doctors, virtual doctors, and the telehealth market in the U.S. is expected to reach... Revenues of over $13 billion by 2023. So it's an industry that is growing. The Wall Street Journal just recently did a write-up about psychiatrists and how there's really a shortage of professionals that are available to uh, kids, to uh, teens, uh, children and teens that might need help. So this is one of those industries specifically that is going to be benefiting from this notion of telemedicine. Miranda, tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, there's a rising number of teens and children suffering from mental health issues, including depression and anxiety. And that's not necessarily something new, but it's something that's getting more attention. And there aren't as many specialized professionals to help. So there's this new program of remote video consults helping pediatricians kind of fill in that gap. And school systems, universities, healthcare providers are now testing out these programs for the kids. And the teenagers, there's a hospital called Mercy, and it's based in Chesterfield, Missouri. And it's a large health system, including hospitals, clinics, all kinds of things like that. And they've trained nearly 250 of their pediatricians and family medicine specialists to diagnose the most common conditions like ADHD or depression, anxiety, et cetera, in the kids. And they use tools and algorithms to help guide the doctors through the best practices for the different conditions and also prescribing the medication for it.
0: Yeah, they have other teams that access other charts and medical history. That way, everything is kind of simpatico, and they don't miss anything important when making decisions on diagnosis and things like that. Um, so it's a growing trend. It's not a catch-all for everything. There's still value to seeing somebody in person. Some of the disadvantages they say is you got to build a rapport with somebody in person to be able to face-to-face. Yeah, face-to-face to be ac- to accurately you know assess what's going on. So there still is some of that.
2: Well, and one of the doctors in particular was saying that while she does find this effective, it's for later. Initially, you want to do the face-to-face meeting so that you can get a baseline for what this person is like when you see them once a week, twice a week, however often it is. And then once maybe they move away to go to college, they can have sessions on Skype with you.
0: Yeah. Another uh, benefit would be is the immediacy of it, because sometimes you do need to talk to somebody now. And uh, as we're saying, there's A shortage of these professionals that offer these services to children and teens, and there's often you know long wait times, weeks to see a professional, or you got to go long distances just to meet with them. So this kind of helps with that.
2: There was one teenager profiled in the Wall Street Journal piece that we used, and she's a 14 year old teen named Sarah Ford, and she was suffering from depression, hallucinations, she was suicidal, having severe anxiety and insomnia. She went to see her pediatrician, explain these. Uh, symptoms to her and was within 40 minutes on the video conference with a psychiatrist in Springfield, Missouri, and diagnosed after her father had committed suicide in the home. And she was given medication that day to help treat her symptoms.
0: This is an interesting notion, this telemedicine, this industry that's going to keep growing. CVS is planning nationwide telemedicine services through their smartphone app. Miranda, you yourself just kind of did this. You got sick not too long ago and couldn't go see your doctor. He wasn't available or something. So you did the telemedicine thing.
2: Exactly. I was pretty sick uh, about two weeks before Christmas and the doctor was wrapping up his end of the year stuff. Couldn't get an appointment to see him. Otherwise, the only appointments he could see me was when I had to be here for work. And so uh, I called our insurance to see if they can get me with another doctor. And they said, why don't you try this doctor on demand? And that's an app. I downloaded the app. And within 20 minutes, I was FaceTiming with a doctor in Texas who then called in my medication to the pharmacy around the corner. He was in Texas. That's
0: crazy. And this is for, again, you know, for more serious illnesses, you got to see somebody in person. But this is for uh, simple things, colds, flus. I think they said certain skin conditions. You know, you can do this over this uh, over, you know, video Skype or whatever. He had
2: me shine a flashlight in my mouth so he can look at my throat through the front
0: facing camera. That's hilarious. So and your experience was good with it, though. Very
2: positive. He gave me medicine and I was well within a couple of days.
0: Yeah. A lot of people say that uh, they are very happy with the telemedicine services they have received. So it's going to be one of those growing industries and something you're going to hear about more this year and in the years to come. Thank you, Miranda. Thanks, Oscar.
3: That, I think, was one of the biggest things that I didn't realize it was going to be so difficult. Of Once you're a couple grand in, it's like, to stop? Why? <laughs> you know, like, to stop right. would kind of essentially be throwing that money away, so I might as well keep going.
0: Joining us now is Elizabeth Ann Entman. She's a freelance writer in New York, and she wrote this article for BuzzFeed News The headline is, I'm in five-figure debt because of my dog. I saw this article and right away it struck me. I just went through something very similar to this recently with my own dog. He was a French bulldog named Ernie. I think this is a thing that a lot of people go through and we talk about pet insurance and these are the things you can never really prepare for and the cost of procedures and tests and treatments and things that you need. To care for your loved ones, your pets, your animals, your friends, the costs are extraordinary sometimes. So tell us a little bit about your situation and what you went through.
3: Logically, when you get a dog or when you have a cat or when you take care of an animal, you know that these kinds of things could come up. But until they really happen, I hate to say I didn't actually really think about how prepared I would need to be, which... I thought, you know, I've been to the vet before and I've run up a $500 bill, but
0: never anything like this. I think that $500 <laughs> bill is almost standard I wish, when you yeah. go to the vet, it seems to rack up pretty quickly just on uh, the financial part of it. How much did your bills go up to? There's
3: when I wrote this, the piece says that my bill is about 11000 and she's still getting chemo. She's getting treated and she has two treatments left. So I think now I'm somewhere in like the $12,000 range wow. and hoping that by the end of it, I won't have much more than like 12000 but there might be these complications that now she might need to get another surgery.
0: And who are we talking about? We're talking about your dog, Pearl. Yes, this
3: uh, is, uh, we're talking about my dog, Pearl. She's a black lab and she's about 10 years old.
0: And, and what did she have? What was her... Uh, Illness.
3: She had a maxillary fibrosarcoma,
0: basically like a tumor. She had a tumor. Yeah, growing. so yep. she had
3: a tumor in her mouth, but just it just one day it was all of a sudden there. It was one of those things that you see it and you go, oh, I know exactly that this is
0: terrible, yeah. you know. And that's one of the things that happens with your pets. You mentioned in your article that she was very energetic, very fun-loving. So you just don't notice these things sometimes, even if they are going to the vet regularly and having checkups. It's always after the fact that you realize how serious something is. Wow. So you notice something in her. You took her to the vet and then the wow. bills started piling up pretty quickly.
3: Yeah, it was right away. I noticed like a mass in her in the back of her mouth. It's very far away. Of course, it's like, it's not like it's up front. It's not like it's easy to treat. It's like we had to have the, the most difficult tumor we could possibly have. And I noticed it when she yawned. And I was like, oh, that's not supposed to be there. And it's probably something terrible. Um, and it was. And I t- just right away, it started. And it was like, oh, you know, you're used to paying $500 for the first visit. And so after that, I just kind of started to add up and add up. And it was, okay, let's do x-rays. And then it was like, oh, well, in order to do this, we need to do this. Oh, we need to, let's (laughs) warrant this, let's warrant this. And it just kept building
0: up. I mean, that's definitely one of those things with pet care is that they can't talk, that you can't really ask them what's Uh going on. So you need to go through so many tests before you can even start The treatment or get a diagnosis. yeah. And one of those things is you pay so many thousands of dollars to figure out what it is. And then by that point, you're already in, you know, you're already in so much money. So then it's that psychological thing was like, well, I've already paid this much. I have to keep going. I have to get the treatment.
3: That I think was one of the biggest things that I didn't realize it was going to be so difficult of once you're a couple grand in, it's like to stop. Why? (laughs) You know, like to stop would kind of essentially be Growing
0: that much, so I might as well keep going. Everything stacks up on itself. Everything. Its own. I, I, as I mentioned at the beginning, I, I went through this with my <laughs> own dog. He ended up having a couple of tumors in his brain, but oh. it just accelerated so fast. We were still waiting on some tests. We had to put him down because things happen so quickly. we were still waiting on the results of some tests at that point. And that's the thing. We hadn't been able to really start all the treatment we needed. Um, And you talk about the guilt and all these things. I think that's just natural, but I do it all over again. This whole thing of like, you know, I'm going to spend as much money as I can to save the life of, of a friend of our companions
3: really something that i didn't
0: know if people would connect with or understand you did have insurance for pearl i did i did but tell us i mean at the end of it all what did you really learn from this i mean it's important to have insurance and people are all over the place sometimes they say have insurance sometimes people say just set money aside to save when things like this happen what do you what did you learn through all of it
3: the biggest thing i learned is to make the decision that you're the most comfortable with when you're taking care of your pet. And then that's it. And then just trust that you made the right decision for you, because that's what I keep going back to is even if none of this works, even if it only gives us a couple extra months together, even if it doesn't give us the outcome that we hoped for, and she doesn't live a long five happy more years, it's the right decision for me.
0: I told you before we started the interview, I read through your article and at multiple moments throughout it, I kept saying to myself, Yes, this is exactly true. This is exactly what I went through. And that's why we wanted to talk to you. It's just one of those things that a lot of people do go through this and maybe people in your immediate circle haven't gone through this or don't really know what it's like, but there's tons of people that go through this. I agree with you. You have to make those decisions based on how comfortable you are. But it is the right decision. I was going through it with my wife and I kept telling her, hey, whatever you decide is the right way to go because you have to feel comfortable with it. And, you know, these your pets, you know, you you hear the term pet parents, you know, they are your children. They are your best friends. and, And you wouldn't not want to do that for anybody else in your life.
3: And something I keep going back to is just I was really, really, really ashamed to write this and to put it out in the world, like embarrassed, ashamed nervous like i was very all of felt so much negative feelings about this for months this has been going on since september and i've been embarrassed to talk about it with friends i've been ashamed to talk about it and and it's been very not affirming but it's been reassuring to hear so many people say oh my god yes why aren't we talking about this i understand you i feel like you get it and we're not we need to be talking about it
0: yeah, I mean, that's exactly, I, I could feel that in your writing. That's exactly why I wanted to talk to you. I went through something personal just like it, and I think a lot of people do, and yeah. and you shouldn't feel that guilt. But at BuzzFeed, you guys are doing a series of stories about people going into debt, and this is one of those things that I hear all the time, is these pet bills. So I, I just want to say again, thank you, Elizabeth Ann Entenman, freelance writer in New York. She wrote this for BuzzFeed. Thank you for joining us today.
3: Thank you for having me.